Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Let's show everyone how we do it. God is good. Come on, all the time. That was weak. God is good. If the ears of the person sitting next to you are not hurting, you're not doing it loud enough. And all the time. All right, come on. Give God praise one more time. We thank you, worship team. We thank everyone for being on online here in person. How many of you are happy and ready to receive um, from the word of the Lord? Amen. Praise God. Um, I believe that the, the next couple of weeks here are going to be special as we get into this framework. And I, this is what I, you know, I want you to understand this. I, I want you right there where you're sitting. Can you just pinch yourself? Just, just like very soft. Just pinch yourself. Do you feel that? It's a sign that you're alive and you're awake. Amen. But it's a sign also that you are human. Right? And we're all human together. And uh, you and I today are going to walk through something. We're going to start introducing something that um, we'll continue to get deeper into it next week. But as I have grace for you today, I want you to have grace for me today as well. How many of you can say amen? amen. Pastor, will give you grace today. And, and pray with me because I really want the heart of Christ to come out of, of this passage um, here. And I really want you to see what it is that the Lord was stirring um, through this text and I, and I truly believe it's going to be a blessing if, if we listen to it. So this is what I pray right now, that you have ears to hear, that your heart is open uh, to hear the word of God. And that the truth, this is very important, that the truth of his word would drown all the false that's in your mind and in your heart. That the truth of your word would expose all things false and remove it for your lives so that you can know the truth and that the truth, only the truth, can truly set you free. How many of you can say amen? amen? How many of you want a desire to continue to live in freedom? Amen. The, so how do we continue to live in freedom? The answer is simple, but to walk at times could be difficult because we're battling the spirit and the flesh. But here's the answer. It is to always live in the truth. If you live in the truth, you'll live in the freedom that that truth offers. Amen? So take out some notes and be ready to write down. Open up your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. That's in the Old Testament. I know it's been a long time since we've preached a passage um, or a, a message from the book of Chronicles. But, but go ahead and do that. Open up to 1 Chronicles 17. We're just going to uh, go ahead and surf through some of these verses here today. And we're going to have a good time in the Word. Have you ever read the Word of God and the Word of God by itself just impacts you and you don't need no one to explain it? You don't need no one to speak or add anything extra to it. Just let the Word be the Word. And as you read it, it just does something to your heart. Ever been there? All right. And, and I feel like this passage, once you read it, especially verses 1 through 15, you really get an understanding of what I mean by that. And you're like, wow, you know, I kind of got a lot of stuff out of this. And that's what I pray that you do, that... As we read this, you let the word truly speak to you. And as, as you let the word speak to you, um, I have some notes and I have some stuff around um, this text of 1 Chronicles uh, that I believe will add on to, to all of that stuff that God is speaking. 
So why is this chronicles? They're chronicling, they're, they're writing down the times of the kings and so on. And, and what happened during this time, especially in Israel, and we see later on in Israel and in Judah. But specifically, in 1 Chronicles 17, what I want to speak to you about today, um, I think it's, it's a good build-up to where we're going to go. Because in these next two weeks, as we do our best for us to see, hear, and really get a sense of the heart of God... And our aim would be to see it as we look through David's desire. How many of you have heard of King David before? A very popular character, a very popular figure in Scripture. And if you take a trip, I mean, for our church as well and for believers, but if you go to Israel today and you walk around even Jerusalem today, he is still a very key figure um, there in Israel even today. So this is a real person. And King David, we want to see um, the heart of God as we see his desire, David's desire, to build a temple for the Lord. And then we'll jump into, not today, but next week, we'll look at Solomon's desire, who is David's son, who takes over kingship and over the kingdom. And he's the one that we'll see ultimately is given the green light to be the first to build the temple of the Lord. And, and, and I think we're going to receive a lot um, from these passages that we're going to be reading in these next couple weeks. But in 1 Chronicles 17, let's start off in verse 1. And let the scripture do what the scripture does. It says, when David was settled in his palace. Everyone say settled. settled. Love the way the New Living just says the word settled. Because my goodness, if, it just feels good when you read it. I like to be settled. When King David was settled in his palace... He summoned Nathan, the prophet, and he said, look, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. So Nathan replies back to David, and, and this is what he tells David, because he's the king, and it sounds right, and he says, David, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. <laughs> There's a couple things that we could stop right there and really break down in verses 1 and 2. First thing is, David is settled in his palace. The word settled there is very important because this is a time in David's reign, in David's kingdom, a time when his wars had come to an end. If you know anything about King David, opposite of King Solomon was King Solomon was a king during a time of peace because of all the wars that his father had fought. So King David was a man that constantly was in war, war. I mean, there was one enemy after another enemy after, I mean, he was always in war. Israel was always fighting some sort of war. And many of the times that you see it, David's in the forefront fighting with them. It's insane. He's a man of war, a man of much bloodshed. A, a man who was constantly uh, um, strategizing because when you're in war, as the king, he was also the commander of the army in a sense. He, he ruled the, everything and, and he needed to make sure he put the right generals in place and the right attacks in place. He had a mind, scripture says, for war. God blessed him with wisdom in war. So David's mind was always thinking. David's mind was always politicking. David's mind was always trying to figure out how do I get more shields and spears and arrows and weapons David's mind was, how do we get more horses for battle and chariots? David's mind was, how are we going to train more soldiers? Are you with me? 
David's mind was always like, man, this king has risen up and he wants to go to war. How can we beat him? How can we conquer them now? David was always at an unsettled place. But at this point of his life, Scripture says David is settled. His wars are over. He's older in his years. And he's at a settled place. Wartime is done in David's life. You've fought enough wars in your lifetime, David. Too much that I don't have enough digits on my hands and on my toes. I don't have enough toes and fingers to be able to number all the wars you've had. And he's there. And as he's settled, what happens in this passage? He finds himself living in luxury. That's where he's at. He has great wealth. Scripture says in these first verses that he's living in a palace that is made of cedar. Now, that's an important description. Why would it mention cedar? During this time, whoever had cedar in their home was very well off. It was not common. It was very expensive and not common in homes. If you had cedar, your house was made up of cedar, you were a very rich, wealthy, you were well off. Your children were well off. And David says, I'm sitting here in my luxury, in my riches, in a palace made of cedar. And as he's sitting there one day in his wealth, something starts to bother David. Church, what starts to bother David? Maybe one day he opens up his hurricane-proof sliding door windows that goes from one end to his massive palace sweet bedroom and he swings it open and the breeze of the ocean and 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 he looks over his balcony over his massive palace i'm talking in today's terms <laughs> and what he sees is is a tent just a tent i mean we have a tent outside for goodness sakes imagine putting some drapes coming down that tent to make it more private we could do that and as he sees that, he says, whoa, here I am living in this wealth, here in this luxury. But the ark of the covenant is out there and it's under a tent. You're with me? Those two verses alone. I mean, just like, amen. Like, can you imagine where you could go just with these two verses? He's in luxury and the tent's outside. The Ark of the Covenant is outside on a tent. It's almost like saying, hey, we're here and we're gathering and we're singing songs and we're giving each other a hug. But the presence of God is outside in that tent and not in here. So we're in here and it's such a beautiful Sunday. So just, just think about what David's really going through here. He saw the contrast between his life and where the ark was, and it began to bother him. What's so important about the ark of the covenant? You have to go all the way back, the times of Moses, all the way to where David's at. The ark of the covenant was the furniture that was placed at the Holy of Holies, in the tent of meeting, in the tabernacle, okay? And in the, in the tents that David would make for him. And it would eventually be placed in the first temple that would be built for the Lord. That Ark of the Covenant represents, and it's where the presence of the Lord would reside. So when I say that David was bothered because he was living in a palace very well off, 
and the Ark of the Covenant was in the tent, it's almost as saying, I'm here living well, but the presence of God is over there living under a tent. I want you to see that and understand that that's what the Ark of the Covenant is and represents, in case you forgot or in case you didn't know that. So let's keep reading as we see where we're going here in verse 3, 4, 5, and I'll read all the way to 6. Look at this. So Nathan comes to David, if you remember, and Nathan says, hey, there's a problem. Um, David says, there's a problem here. We have to make a house for the Lord. And Nathan's like, do it, David. The Lord is with you. Whatever you do is good. Didn't even think about it. Nathan being the prophet, the mouthpiece of God, didn't go back home and pray about it. Didn't go back to his chamber and fast and say, hey, God, you know, David confronted me about this. He wants to kind of build you a house. I don't know. Like, what do you think about it? He's just like, do it. Everything you do, David's been working out so far. Just do it. So David goes to sleep that night. And God says, um, Nathan, sorry. Nathan goes to sleep that night. And God says, um, Nathan, you answered for me, but you didn't give my answer. <laughs> so look what happens. It says, that same night, God said to Nathan, hey, go and tell. I just feel like God says, hey, go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord has declared. This is what the Lord says. Not you, Nathan. Thank you for being my mouthpiece. Thank you for being so faithful. But you missed it on this one. Tell David this. Look what he says. You are not the one to build a house for me to live in. So, so David's like, I want to please God. I want to build my house. And the, God goes up to Nathan and speaks to him at night and says, tell him that he's not going to build me a house. Verse 5. He says, I've never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. My home has always been a tent. It's always moved from one place to another in a tabernacle. Verse 6, yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's leaders, the shepherds of my people. I've never asked them. Why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? <laughs> I love it. I love God's heart. I love his mind. I love how he talks. David is worried because he's in a cedar house. And I've never complained, God says, because I've never lived in a cedar house. I mean, on earth. <laughs> you just see where my feet touch in heaven. Do you see, I mean, what are you guys getting so far? You know what? Man, I wish we weren't. I, I can't get out of this box right here. What are you getting so far? What's happening? I know you thought you were going to come to church today and the pastor was going to ask you questions. I want, I, I, will, I want to go up to where you're at and give you mics and stuff, but what, what are you getting so far? Travel. Stationary? Confined. Say that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else getting anything so far? What are you getting? It's a foreshadow of Jesus. Why? You guys see how your mind's already working? You're getting stuff? Anyone else want to participate in today's Sunday's gathering? <laughs> this is good. 
Your mind's working. You're thinking about the text. You're thinking about the scripture. I, I read verses 3 through 6, and I say, my goodness, what a reply from the Lord. You guys are on the right track. But what a reply from the Lord. Nathan, listen to this. I know that you've already answered David. <laughs> I know you're, you're, you're laying on your bed now and you wanted to rest, but you and I have to have a conversation. You presume to know what I would want, but here's what you need to tell him. And he starts off by saying this. You're not the one to build me a house to live in. <laughs> First of all, no one has ever offered that to me before, God says. And in that scripture, God is saying, no one's ever offered to build me a house like this. And not only have they not offered, but did you notice what God said next? He says, neither have I ever com commanded anyone to ever build it. No one's ever asked. No one's ever, never have I told someone, you need to do this. If not, no. See, when you read this scripture, I want you to understand first off this. The Lord isn't angry at David. He's not angry. He's not rebuking David. More than anything, as we read this, I believe that the Lord seems to be surprised. Surprised with David's wishes. Surprised and honored with David's desire. I believe that truly, that he honored David's desire to build him a house to dwell. But as he honors it, he's also saying this. Follow with me. He says, David... I've been, right, neither here nor there, everything that you guys have said, I've been in the tabernacle that you erected in Mount Zion. I've been in the tabernacle which I instructed and helped Moses bring all the pieces together and was built for me. I've been in the tabernacle of meeting before the tabernacle of Moses was, was erected. Basically, what is he saying in his own words? I've been from tent to tent. I've wandered all throughout. I've been in the wilderness. I've been in the, right, in the Sinai desert. I've been on the mountaintops. I've been in tents in different cities. That's where I've been as you study where the Ark of the Covenant has gone. So thank you. Thank you for thinking about building me a temple. A house for me, David, to live in. Thank you. But here's the deal. The deal is... Your son is going to build a temple, but I have another plan for you. I'm not done with you. I have a plan. I want you to remember this. If you could do anything right now is to grab what I just said and stick it in your pocket, stick it somewhere in your mind, and don't forget this because I'm going to close up with this. Here is, here is God, and he says, I've been traveling. I've been from tent to tent. I'm going to do something in you, and I'm going to do something in your son. I'm not done here. So, so as you think about all that and you place that somewhere in your memory, we're going to come back and I'm going to say, do you remember what I told you to think about? So, so keep that there. So as we look at the life of David and as we look at what he's um, desiring to build for the Lord, this is not a bad place. Everyone say not bad. It's not bad. It's not a bad place. Because what we see here is that in his heart, I'm not going to knock David too much, you know, because truly in his heart, he wanted to do more for God. And I'm going to honor that. And I believe God honors that. Remember I told you to pinch yourself? You found out that if you pinch yourself hard enough, you're human. You feel pain. David's human. Have some grace. And, and, and as I look at David, I could say at the end of the day, I think his heart was really, I want to do more for the Lord. I want to do more for my God who's given me so much victory all around. 
This is a great place, I believe, to be in your relationship with the Lord. And the reason why I believe that is, is because, you know, some people can live thinking a certain way. And they can live thinking, well, how little can I do and still please God? And that's the reality. A lot of people can live like that. I'm okay with God, but don't ask me to do more for God. I'm satisfied with just doing a little for God, and hopefully that's enough to get me in. You see, you see what I'm trying to say? I'm gonna, I want to challenge that thinking. I want to challenge that complacency or that lukewarm spirit that is in the believers, that is in the believer. That, that, that the people that say, well, how little can I do and still please the Lord? That we could just kind of challenge that. The individuals that never really want to do more than what God commands. One theologian states in regards to this text that I'm reading, states this. If you cannot have what you hoped, do not sit in despair and allow the energies of your life to run to waste. But arise and gird yourself to help others to achieve. If you may not build, you may gather materials for him that shall build. And if you may not go down the mine, you can hold the ropes. So, so, so what, what is it that God's calling us to? For the last few weeks of, and months, we've been talking about challenging the church to do more and to serve. And what does it look like for you to serve at your full capacity and love at your full capacity? And maybe you feel like, well, it's a challenge of don't just do it with a little bit. What can I do a little bit and please God? But what does it mean to do a lot of it and still please God with a lot of you? And that's what we've been challenging, challenging the church in. That, hey, there's something here for you to do. There's something here for us to grow in. That you have a gift and a talent and an ability to do something in which we could gather stuff or build stuff for the Lord. Because in our hearts, truly, we have a desire for more, more of him and more for him. How many of you could say amen? So what can I offer? What can I do? Maybe I can build. Maybe I can just hold the rope. I don't know. Whatever it is, I could do something at this nest. And we've been challenging you to pray about that, to talk about that, and let's start doing this. But, but here now, back to this text. Here's David, and he's told now, you can't build me this. So I want you to see, I'm going to travel a little bit in Chronicles just so you could get a full picture of this. David brings his Solomon, his son Solomon, as he's getting a little bit older, and David instructs Solomon, hey, the Lord told me I can't build. So he instructs Solomon to build what he is, was never able to build. Let, let's just read, it's just two verses that I'm going to share with you. It's found in 1 Chronicles 22, if you're taking notes, verse 89. Look what David, father, tells Solomon, his son, future king. David, father, king, Tell Solomon, son, future king. He says this. Solomon, come to me. Solomon comes to him. They're eating breakfast, toast, cafe, con leche in the morning. And he tells him this. The Lord said to me, son. He says that I've killed so many in battles that I've fought. And since I've shed so much blood in my sight, that I will not be the one to build a temple to honor his name. He's telling this in a conversation to his son. What a... Deep conversation between a father and a son. But look at verse 9. But son, you, you, son, you will be a man of peace. This is what the Lord told me, that you will have a son. So he's telling this to him. And he's going to give you, son, peace with his enemies. 
peace with all your enemies and all the surrounding lands. And Solomon, that's why I named you Solomon. And he's going to give you peace and quiet Israel during all of your reign. And Solomon and David are having this conversation that, that David and God had. So David understood that God didn't want him to build the temple. He came to grips with that in his life. But I want you to notice David. He does not respond by doing nothing. He begins now to activate and to do something in his life. If I can't build, then what can I do? So he begins to gather what we know as materials for construction. That's going to be his son's temple. That the temple that his son, King Solomon, is going to build. A glorious temple for the Lord. Let, let's read. I'm going to read fast because I don't really want to get so deep into the wordage of all this. But just have fun with it. Because scripture is fun. So look what David does. He doesn't get lazy. He doesn't say, oh my God, I can't build. I can't do this. So then you know what? I'm just going to retire and... And I guess God doesn't want me to serve him like this anymore. He doesn't act like that. He rises up to the occasion, and this is what he does. First Chronicles 22, verse 5. Love this. David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and since the temple, the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous, glorious throughout the world, I'll begin making a preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. It goes deeper in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 2 through 9. Just follow with me. Look what David does. Using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood. This is David. As well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now because of my devotion, David's devotion to the temple of my Lord, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in this construction. This is in the addition to the building materials that I've already collected for his holy temple. Verse 4, I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 260 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings. Are you guys seeing how rich he is? And for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen, now then, who will follow my example in, in giving offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers, all began to give from their own finances willingly. King, you gave how much gold, how much silver, how much wood? Well, we're going to give too from our bank account. <laughs> so his men began to give. And look at what goes on here. It's good. For the construction, verse 7, of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. They all contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury in the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon, close to Gerson, and it says, relative of Gerson. That's where he gets his name from. Then the people rejoiced over all the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. He was just filled with joy for just storing up in the storehouses gold and silver and bronze and wood and metal to build the house. I'm not going to build it, but keep bringing it in because at least I'm part of it. At least, I, at least I'm part of it. Solomon would, when I die... When I go, at least he'll grab some of this stuff that I stored up for him. And he'll begin to build that which I only wished and longed for. We can learn something from David's heart. Man, guys, I hope you catch this today. 
I'm not going to be the one to do what I've desired. But that's not going to stop me, make me lazy or complacent, stagnant. I'll live the rest of my life. Listen to this. I won't be able to build, but I'll live the rest of my life in preparation to build. I'll choose. Everyone say not to. Okay, five of you are still with me. I lost the rest of you. Sorry. For the five of you that are still with me, here it is. I'll choose not to live. Listen to what David is saying. I'll choose not to live in bitterness or in anger for not being able to do this. I'll choose to live in honor and prepare as if I was so that my children could have something to build on. Okay, I'll I'll go a little bit more into this. What an honor. I'm going to ask you a question for a moment. Don't answer it rhetorical, but answer it in your heart. What are you doing now so that later your children have something to build on? That's it. David is preparing something that wasn't even for him. It was unto the Lord and my son would do it for him. That when you come to the end of your life, think about this. Will you be pleased with what you were able to pass on? Because you lived your life honoring the preparation. That we're not so caught up on self, but that we live for something that is far greater than ourselves. And because of that, we have joy, exceedingly joy, just to live in preparation for the glory of the Lord. That's it. And that's enough. This stuff gets deeper and deeper. This stuff takes so many different avenues. And I'm sure in some of your minds, you're already like, whoa. Let's go back to the scripture of 1 Chronicles 17 where we started. Verses 7 through 10. And now you'll see that we're almost at the end because we only have five more verses after that. Verse 7 says this. I want you to go, Nathan, and say this to my servant David. Listen to this. So good. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. This is God speaking to David because David has a desire to build him a temple. Look what, we're back to that story. He says, I took you from, the, from tending sheep, or sheep, sorry, from tending sheep in the pasture, and I selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. Verse 8, I've been with you. Say, he's been with me. Mm-hmm. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've destroyed your enemies before your eyes, David. And now I will, I underline this in my notes, I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel. I will plant them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them um, as they've done in the past in your life, David. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel and I will defeat all your enemies. Look at this next verse. Look at this next part of this verse. Verse 10. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you. The NLT says a dynasty of kings. David, you're not going to build me a house. I've been with you all the days of your life. I've given you victory. I've spoken to you. I've done great things. But now I'm going to declare to you that I'm going to build you a house. 
you know, if you could come over here and look at my notes, my, my exact wordage of this, what, what, it's so deep. It's, it's, it's to process my notes. I'll be scared to even, I don't know if you could even handle being able to read it. You know what my note says right after that? Look how deep this is. All I wrote, no lie, and I put three exclamation points after it. I put, whoa. That's how, I don't know if you can handle that, those notes. That, that's right there under verses, verses 7 through 10. I put, whoa, three times. Because that's how I felt when I was reading it. All I was able to say was, whoa. Like, you see, because I... Let me take this out of here. Because I don't know if you ever do this. Like, if you place yourself in the, in the Bible, like, do you... Do you get inside the Bible ever when you read it? So I've started to pretend like I was David. And that David says this to me. Hey, I've done all these things in your life. Like, I've spoken all these different things to you. I've, I've been this faithful to you. And as I started to read that, some of the things that he was speaking to David, some of the things he was speaking to me. And then he says, but I'm going to declare to build you a house. I've done so much for you. Come on, the heart of God, guys. I've been there for so long with you that at this moment of my life, I only have one thing to declare to you. I'm still not done. I'm going to continue to build a house for you. Whoa. Because what God, if I was God, and I know if you were God, because I've had conversations with a lot of you, I mean, I'm joking, but I'm thinking I'm, I might be on something. If we were God, you probably would have said something very humbling, but in your heart, you probably would have said, it's about darn time you thought about me and you built me a temple. Yes or no? Okay, I'm just speaking to myself then. But God's heart is so different. He says, I've done all of this. I continue to do all of this. But this is what I'm going to declare to you. You're not building me a house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you a house. Imagine hearing that being David. Whoa. How come he's still thinking about me? How come he's still living and building and doing stuff for me? Why would God's mind still be on me? No wonder such penmanship like what is man that you are mindful of him can come from such a man. Why would you continue to bless me? And he sits on his throne, majestic as he is. You're worried about the tent. But I'm just focusing on the house that I'm continuing to build for you. I mean, this stuff, I don't know what to tell you, to be honest with you. I, I, don't, I don't know how to properly um, sometimes, yeah. It's a struggle for me as I'm up here sometimes, like, how do I, like, show you the picture of how deep this is? Like, how do I, because I don't have the proper wordage or the vocabulary. I just don't know how to do it. And that's probably why I just wrote, whoa. Because I couldn't say anything else. That God's heart would still say that to David. You know what today's message of the title, today's title of the message is? The house that God builds. Because it's not about the house that David builds. 
And it's not about the house that Solomon builds. It's always about the house that God builds. We could stand up here and you could grow in so many things that you saw, like, you know, these people that you saw how I grew my business and you saw how I grew my house and you saw how I grew my church. And I'm like, oh my God. This is the house that God built. It's not your house. It's not your business. It's not your house. It's not your church. It's the house that God builds. Yeah, but you know he used me. Yeah. I want you to pause and really just take this in. What a buildup this is. David, I know you want to build me this house. How many of you know that our church and me as your pastor wants to build our, our church a house? All right. I want to make sure you know that. We'll, we'll talk about that in the future. Sorry for throwing that. I shouldn't have even done that. But whatever. Just so you can know my heart. Just so you can know my heart. I want to build this church for the Lord a house. So when I read this, I'm like, oh, God, I get it. <laughs> You're good. You're awesome. Whoa. I know you want to build me a house. But know that I've always been with you. Just because, David, I were to give you a green light to build me a house, that doesn't make it any different. Look at the work I've done in your past life, in, in, in the past, in your life. Not your past life, in your life, in the past. My eyes have always been on you. I've taken you, what does he tell him? From tending sheep in the wild to tending a nation in your palace. I would say that's a huge upgrade. David, thank you for considering me. But, but I'm the one that's going to make a promise. Come on, church. This is so big here. I will make your name famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. You know, I mean, sorry for being re repetitive. But you know that Jesus would walk in through towns and many times they wouldn't even say, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. They wouldn't even say that. They would scream, Son of David. Son of David. Why? Because of the Davidic covenant. The Lord told him, I'll make your name famous over all the earth. The Messiah will walk on earth and they will scream, Son of David. Because he comes from your, from your seed. How many of you feel like I can never be like David? Well, guess what? He was an adulterer. A murderer. <laughs> a liar. I mean, he... So if you, if, if you think an adultery is a bad sin, if you think lying's bad, if you think killing somebody's bad, and yet God loves him this much and still bless him because his heart was still after God, then I think everyone in here is safe in God's hands to say that he's speaking something sweet to your heart, that he wants to build your house. Oh, but look at my story. Right. And that's exactly the house that God is building. The Lord is building a house that is made up of such a story as yours. Think about that for a moment and receive that for the one that always feels condemned for where they're at, that the Lord wants to build a house based with that story that you have. David, thank you for considering me. 
I'll make your name famous as anyone who's ever lived. I will provide a homeland for my people. Look at everything he promises. Plant them in a secure place. Oh, and another thing, David, I will build you a house instead. The word house there, it signifies and it breaks, the word breaks down a word that can mean dynasty. That's why I like that New Living actually puts the word dynasty in it. But it, it, it signifies the word dynasty. So what is the Lord really telling David? Thank you, David, but, not, but no thanks. Let me build you a house instead. See, this was a greater promise than David's offer to God. Because David's house would last longer and, and be more glorious than the temple that, that David wanted to build. The house that David wanted to build for the Lord was going to be nothing compared to that which the Lord was speaking to David that was going to last forevermore. I'll get into some of this stuff. I don't want to take a left turn because this stuff is going to deal with the temple next week. And I'm going to show you pictures, some cool pictures um, next Sunday of some stuff. But basically, he's telling David, David, I've never fancied myself to live in a singled out, glorious, erected temple. But I desire to build a house for you, a dynasty out of you, a dynasty of temples. Listen to this, a legacy of temples. This is what I was getting at this, in which I would make consecrated and be glorified in. Remember what I told you to remember earlier on? I want you to think about what I told you to, to keep there in your memory. The Lord tells David, I have another plan for you. Me, God says, me, David, I have another plan for you. Me, I've wandered all throughout. I've been in the wilderness, Mount Sinai, in Sinai Desert, in the mountaintops. I've been in tents at different cities. I've been in the tabernacle in Mount Zion. I've been in the tabernacle that Moses built. I've been in a tent of meeting before that, that Moses built the tabernacle. I've been from tent to tent. We went over that already. You worry about building me a temple, and I honor that. But my purpose is not to dwell in one building. Thank you for whoever said that. It is to build a house for you, from you that will come a dynasty, that I will have many other temples to dwell in and be glorified. That is why the Lord tells every king after David, if you do and you follow what your father David did, if you obey, then I will make you great as David was great. What is he really telling every king that came after David? If you are holy and consecrated as he is, I will make you prosperous. He was building tabernacles. I'm going to dwell with you, king, as I dwelt with past kings, if you just do what's right. If you consecrate yourself, so our relationship with God, it's, this is important. If, if you are consecrated and, and make yourself holy as David did, know that I'm going to dwell with you. This is what he tells Solomon. And this is what he tells the kings to come. Our relationship with God is based on what he does and what he can do and what he's already done for us. Not on what we can do, have done, or will do for him. Why is that so true? So that when we do do, so that when we do, the merit is not ours, that we don't claim anything, that he would be glorified. So, so you're still called to prepare, church, and we're still called to maybe build. But it's always about what he is doing, not us, not you. So that we could always say at the end when the work is done, look what the Lord has done. That's it. Now look what I have done. Look what pastor has done. Look what so-and-so has done. Look what that name has done. It always comes to the end of, look what the Lord has done. We have a song, look what the Lord has done. Uh -huh. It's going to stop right there. We can be so worried in building something glamorous for the Lord. 
And the Lord is not worried about any of that. He wants a temple, please listen, a life that he could just dwell, live in, because they make themselves holy and consecrated unto him. That he will never say, oh, it's glamorous, but it's not glorious. This is where I must come to this conclusion of as I build my life and I am the temple of the Lord and I'm trying to build up something, what's the purpose? What's the reason? What are you doing with your life? Is it for a glamour or is it to live in greater glory? And this is a place where I ha it's kind of like an introduction. I can't go any more deeper than this because then I'm going to get into next week's message with Solomon. So I'm going to stop speaking on this right here. And I'm going to share more of it next week with you guys. But I do want to end in verses 11 through 15. Read this with me. Ready? And everything that I just said from this moment up, we're going to go deeper next week. And I'm going to show you pictures of Solomon's temple. I mean, all right. Verse 11. For when you die, this is God speaking to David still. We're back in the same passage. We haven't moved from 1 Chronicles 17. For when you die and you join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He's speaking of Solomon. And he is the one who will build a house, a temple for me. And I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. And I will never take my favor from him as I took it from the one who ruled before you. Who's he speaking about? God. Man, good. I took the kingdom away from Saul. But in this covenant that you and I are making right now, I promise you that whatever your son does, I'm not going to take the kingdom away from him. God is making promises with man. He'll have a, a throne that will be forever secure. Verse 15, so Nathan went back to David now and he tells him everything that the Lord has said to him in this vision. <laughs> Each of these great promises we could say was partially fulfilled in King Solomon. David's son, the successor of, his, of the throne. Solomon ruled on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Solomon though Solomon continued to sin. Solomon built God a magnificent house. We'll talk about that and we'll go deep into that and we'll see pictures of it next week. The family of David, they ruled over Israel for more than four centuries but was eventually removed because evil continued to be added upon them. They continued to run to false gods like Solomon did and built temples to false gods. But yet in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, there's a promise through the prophet Isaiah. And it's out of the stump, out of the seed, out of the stem, sorry, of Jesse. God raises up a new branch that will reign forever and ever. So though the offspring and the generations that came from David, though many of them messed it up, I, I want you to see the relationship here that from David is going to come one whose reign will be forever and ever. And that, that stem of Jesse 
that from David himself, the, the one who comes in to sit on his throne, we know it none other as Jesus Christ. So today is right there on a throne. And every person that walks into glory looks at him and gives him honor and gives glory to the son of David, who is also the son of God, Jesus Christ. You see, I want you to see what God specifically spoke to David. He said, I'm going to build you a house. And he did. You know, I started to think about David, and I want you just to think about this for a moment. Through David's seed, I'm here today. I am here today because one of David's sons, Christ our Lord, God the Son, comes and was obedient to the Father. And today, through the promise that was made through David and in Christ, I also have become a dynasty of David. I also have become a temple, a tabernacle in which the presence of the Lord lives in. I'm telling you today, church, that you are, we are the house that God builds. How many of you can say amen? I have so many scriptures that I could share with you of Bible prophecies from Jeremiah 23. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. From David, a king shall reign and prosper, execute judgment, righteousness in the earth. Now this is his name. You're all like, oh yeah, it's Solomon. No. Which will be called the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah speaking about Jesus that comes from the root of David. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says, the prophet Isaiah, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it from that time forward even forevermore. That child that was born is Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, we could keep going. God did not want the earthly house built until the spiritual house was promised and established. The more important house that had to be placed first, the house that was the, to be the dynasty was going to come through the Messiah. And that's what the Lord wants to build, a spiritual house. That's why he didn't care about the glamour. What he cares about is you. Can I come and reign and live in you? But my story is not cedar palaces. My story is not gold furniture. My story is adultery. My story is murder. My story is is abuse my my and God says right but watch when I come in how I consecrate that temple and I make it holy unto me I'm not worried about the glamour I'm worried about will you consecrate your life for me you know how many people I've come I have conversations with and they say I gotta I gotta get my right my life right before I come to God I gotta get my life right before I start coming to church I'm like what 
You're never going to do it. Because it's Christ who makes your life right. It's the Christ that the church preaches that makes your life right. He wants your stanky furniture and your ripped curtains. He wants all of that. Because he wants to show you how good he is. And how he purifies it. And how he makes it whole. And how he refurbishes everything. And he transforms your life and says, how do you like this now? I've always gone from tent to tent, from tabernacle to tabernacle. So don't be so focused on a glamorous temple. Just come to the altar and come to the place where you could say, Lord, I submit myself not to be a glamorous temple, but to be a glorious temple. And then he says, that's all I want. David, that's all I've always wanted. That's why I've been satisfied living in this tent. Because this tent goes where my people go. And that's where I'm at. I'm about the people. I want to be in them. That's it. And man, David, God's blessing was on him. And he, was, he, had, he came from a good place. And, and, I mean, we said about Hosanna in Matthew 21.9. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna to who? They didn't even say to the Son of God. They said to the Son of David. In Luke 132, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. In Revelation, let's go to the end for a, for a moment. Chapter 22, verse 16. When the Lord comes, it says, he says that I am the root. The Lord himself, Jesus Christ, will say, and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And that's who we're speaking about today. We're speaking about this Christ who did such a beautiful work. And continues to do beautiful work. Who comes from the house of David. And the, the heart of the father is, is to continue to build homes in which he could dwell in tabernacles. Because we know that in the New Testament, that's exactly what the Lord begins to construct. And I want you to meditate there as we close. Because in the New Testament, it says that you now become the tabernacle of God. You become the holy place of God. Don't want to get so much into this as we'll do this next week, but you're it. You are the temple of God. Will you come and just be glorious? Or are you focused about building something glamorous that yet has no glory in it? Come on, meditate on that. Because your house in your life as we wrap this, is the house that God is building. But the question is, He's always been there for you. Remember the stories of your past. He's been there. And he's always been there. He's been here for you right now. And he promises that he's going to continue to be there tomorrow and the days to come. As he told David, he tells you that. So I've always been with you, God says. But my question to you is, will you allow me to continue to build you a house? You see, when you say yes to that, you're saying yes to allow the Lord to continue to do the work inside of you. To build and construct and to put to place the stuff that's, that's needed inside of you spiritually. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And in this place of just meditation right now, examine your heart, examine your mind. Where are you today, church?
If you're a guest here today, you got to hear this message, where are you today? Are you allowing the Lord, as he told David, to continue to build your house? Or have you been trying on your own to build up your house? And the Lord is telling you, stop, you're not going to build the house. And you're not going to build the house for me. Just stop right there in your life because I'm the one that's building the house for you. If that's you today, and you need to come to the place of saying, Lord, build in me the glamorous house you desire to build. As you spoke to David, and as you speak to me today, that just out of me, many other houses would come. That there would be a dynasty of tabernacles, a dynasty of temples that would come in which you would dwell in. Because I've given myself as a house to glorify you. If that's you with every eye closed, if that's you today, right there where you're at, can you surrender that to the Lord? If you want to lift up your hands as a sign of surrenderance, I invite you to do so. I'll tell you what, we'll sing a song. If you want to come up to the front and just get on your knees here, some of us will get alongside you and pray with you. But if you just want to come up here to the front and maybe on these steps, get on your knees or just stand up here and say, Lord, I heard the message today and I ask that you would consecrate and make this house holy right now. I come before you not to build you a house, but to surrender myself to you so that you could build your house in me. And that I would be consecrated and holy and set apart from you and that out of me would come much good and many more houses from my ministry, from my life. If that's you, I invite you to come up here. And surrender that to the Lord. And let God do that mighty work in you today. Come on, meditate on that. Meditate on that. As we sing. As we sing this song to the Lord today. Hallelujah.